0: Can a consultant actually help you improve your operations of your practice? Welcome to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Owen Dahl, a nationally recognized medical practice management consultant with over 24 years of experience in consulting and managing medical practices. He has also recently authored Think Business, Medical Practice Quality, Efficiency, Profits. Owen Dahl, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Caskell. It's nice to be with you.
0: Owen, why are you usually brought in? Uh, Is there a huge problem? Is the medical practice in crisis, or are you brought in preventatively or proactively?
1: Well, 99% of the time, it's it's because there's a problem, and that problem is perceived uh, and or real, depending upon the perspective of the physician and the information that the physician and or physicians have.
0: So you're you're kind of like that character in Pulp Fiction, uh, the wolf. You are brought in to really clean up the mess.
1: That's correct. And uh, again, 99% of the time, it's a mess. Although there's always that exception where it's, hey, we just wanted somebody to help us out. But most of the time, there are real issues that need to be addressed. And, and as consultants, we get called in to help address those issues.
0: Can you take me through a real-life situation, changing the names, of course, to protect the innocent and or guilty? <laughs> Before you got called into this job, What did you expect to find, and uh, what did you find when you actually got on the ground?
1: Well, there's probably two fairly common scenarios that I would personally get involved with. One relates to collections. It's funny how you get measured in the business of medicine. It's what happens in the bottom line. So typically what what happens is doctors will be looking at uh, the financial information that they get. Hopefully they get that monthly. Or sometimes doctors will be talking to others in in a lounge and one will say, well, my collection percentage is 85%. And someone will realize that their collection is actually 50%. Mm -hmm. So that raises a red flag or at least raises a question. So the doctor goes back to the office takes a look at it and says, well, how come my collections are this and this and this? And the staff does their best to explain it. It doesn't always get understood. It doesn't get explained well. And so typically that's the time when a doctor would call and say, I need someone who understands the billing process, the revenue management cycle process.
0: Owen Dahl comes to the rescue. You enter the room with your cape. What's the first thing you, you obviously you have to do an assessment of? what the problem is.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's two components there. One is looking at the data. You take a look at EOBs. You look at the process of gathering information from the front desk all the way through. But EOBs will be the typical uh, way to look at it and say, gee, there are a lot of denials here or there appear to be a lot of underpayments and, and things of that nature. The second piece that I would do is um, interview the staff, try to determine their level of competency and understanding, awareness of the issues, uh, uh, what they know and understand about Medicare, the various managed care contracts, and so. on. Any kind of indicator like that that would tell me right away that there's a problem with collections.
0: All right. So after you've done your data acquisition, what kind of action plan do you usually come up with?
1: Well, that will depend upon what it is, but uh, in general, what you would look at is say, okay, there are not systems in place. There's not consistency. You know, as a physician, you're going to be looking at protocols and talking protocol compliance with the various clinical data that you have. I would take that same kind of strategy and say, well, there are certain standards that I would look at. There's a collection policy I would need. There's certain processes that I would have to have in place. I would want to make sure that those processes work. And and that, again, is all the way from uh, collecting information from the front desk and making sure that that patient and that insurance information are one and the same, all the way through to, what have you as a doctor done for coding? And have you bundled, unbundled? Have you done something like that? The denial report will tell me that. I will build backwards then from that as to what are the strategies that we would want to implement to improve the practice collections.
0: How often will you recommend to the practice some sort of electronic practice management system that will actually scrub their claims before they go out, thus decreasing their denials?
1: That's one of the number one recommendations that we would make because if you go to an electronic clearinghouse or your practice management software might have something built into it, uh, so you scrub your claims, get that look, and identify prior to submission of the claims what your issues are. That gives you a chance to fix them. But there's, again, two pieces there. One is to fix that immediate issue. But then the second thing is let's look at what caused that issue in the first place because I want to figure out what caused it to try to do what I, I like to use the expression "derf" to do it right the first time. Sure. So if I can strategize with the practice, do some training, some education, uh, get a better tool could be a better uh, electronic system. Uh, it could be uh, an additional terminal, some location, something like that, which will help eliminate that first step along the way in terms of creating problems.
0: All right. Owen, once again, I want you to think of a real-life scenario that you've been recently intimately involved with, that you can share? You came in, what did you do? What was the outcome?
1: Actually, the kind of scenario you just talked about, I was working with a group, uh, a two-doctor group, and what they had as problems was was, that the practice got very, very busy. And by by increasing the number of new patients coming in, uh, a lot of activity that occurred at the front desk, what was happening is that they were making mistakes in terms of even asking the simple question, can I please see your insurance card again? So that created one set of issues. Then a second set of issues was created because these were fairly new doctors and didn't fully understand the whole idea of coding, bundling and unbundling and so on. What we ended up looking at was, let's take a look at those denials. Let's take a look at what's going on in the EOBs. And once we determined and found those particular scenarios, we went back and started to do some re-education and also, we found out that we had times during the week that our level of activity was greater than it was at other times. So we looked even as simple as, let's reschedule some of the patients and shuffle that around to relieve the workload, as opposed to hiring additional personnel. And and so we were able to do those kinds of things, and now what we've seen is a significant improvement in cash flow. Our collection percentages have gone up a little bit, not to where we want them to go or where I have you know set some target levels, but I think we've, we've seen the beginnings of some improvements because that cash flow is improving.
0: Owen, how much does a consultant such as yourself charge the practice? I want you to give a, a guesstimate for a week's worth coming in. What can a practice expect to pay that consultant? Because that may be why they don't want to call the consultant.
1: Well, as a consultant, it's never enough. But uh, no, to be to be serious, the the right kind of answer is uh, you you could spend up to five thousand dollars for something like that.
0: Is that for the whole job, or is that for per day?
1: No, no, not per day. You probably could spend fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a day
0: plus expenses.
1: Yeah, plus travel expenses uh, and so on. But you're you're probably looking at a total around five thousand dollars, which would be the initial phase troubleshooting developing the recommended strategy, perhaps doing some training and, and that sort of thing, and then setting some parameters, setting some targets as to what could happen. You probably would want that consultant to come back in again, say, in three months and take a look at it. So that would be an additional expenditure.
0: Oh, and besides word of mouth, how do you find the right consultant for your problem?
1: Uh, word of mouth is a great way to go. There are some organizations that exist. There's a National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants, which is a good organization of consultants from across the country. They're certified, so they know a little bit about healthcare. Uh, obviously, you can go to your CPA and uh, those type of entities. But one thing I would be very cautious about is sometimes word of mouth can mean a friend of a friend of a friend. And that person may not necessarily be your best option. So, the second piece of that is once you get the name, is is to do some kind of an interview, whether it be a phone interview or an in-person interview. Because, the doctor will want to have a chemistry with that consultant, where they feel like they can trust that consultant, and that that consultant will come through with that, you know, with the information that they are looking for.
0: And the follow-up question is, when the consultant leaves, and I'm left to pick up the pieces, how do I engage my staff to really? take over what you've recommended and truly own it and not go back to their old habits.
1: There's two parts there. One part of that is what the consultant has done in terms of training and education, and what they've done in terms of building a relationship with the staff. So if they've come in with like a bull in the china shop and and have uh, you know sort of beaten up the staff, if you will, the staff is going to have a lot of animosity toward what the consultant recommends. So I think there's a piece there. I think the second piece is that there would be some target set. There would be communication with the physician that says, okay, these are the kinds of things that you're going to look at. I would suggest a random look at EOBs and how that fits. I would then also suggest that the consultant might come back in and say three months and take a look at what has happened and what improvements have occurred. Uh, I'm big on the idea of continuous improvement and the Pareto principle where you don't necessarily walk in and solve all of the world's problems, but you pick the two, three, four, five biggest problems, fix those first, and then the consultant comes back in and takes a look at it and fixes the next set of bigger problems.
0: Oh, and I'd like to talk about another set of problems that faces every small and large practice, and that is how to fire an employee. I personally uh, would rather stick needles in my eyes than do that. And I will pay my practice manager or anyone around 50 to to $100 to fire somebody for me because I cannot, my stomach can't handle it. I cannot deal with the confrontation. It's the most unpleasant thing in the world. So do people bring you in to, uh, to ask people?
1: More often than not. And, and most everybody has the same kind of scenario that you're talking about. They're either, A, afraid of doing it because of uh, themselves, and, and, and but also more importantly, I think, is that there's typically a longer-term relationship with that employee. Lots of times we're not brought in to, to, say, eliminate the receptionist. It's more likely than not the practice manager or the billing supervisor or someone like that, that the doctor has identified and said, you know, that person just isn't meeting my needs. But they've been with me for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and I feel bad about doing that. The role that we would play as a consultant would come in and do an assessment of that to help, yes, that person just is not doing the job that you want. They're not trainable. You've invested a lot of time, and you're not getting the results that you want. The best thing to do is to eliminate that person.
0: Do you ever go in and say, you know what, Uh, you're kind of wrong on this, doctor. They're actually doing a great job. It's just that they've got this little particular a personality trait that needs to be ignored.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I've, I've had that happen where I've had to go against what the doctor thought about in terms of terminating the individual. And it's not always the personality issue. It's that there is just not good communication between the doctor and the individual. So you work on what are the tools like, okay, what kind of reporting can we do? Um, you know, Maybe we can sit down for 10 minutes a week or 20 minutes a week and instead of uh, every three months when we actually get together. There can be a lot of things that can be done to help save that person, as well as my role of coming in and, and saying, "Yes, you know, I substantiate your position. That person just is not capable of doing the job. It's more complex than it was 10 years ago, and uh, you know, changes are needed."
0: If I do need to call uh, you or Tony Soprano to come in and whack one of my employees, what does that cost?
1: Well, I don't like that expression. <laughs> uh,
0: I, it's a little harsh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, I mean, in, in some reality, that's what we're doing. Uh, it, it, that could be Downsize. a... We're downsizing. Okay, well, so we're downsizing. and makes it a little bit easier in terms of the picture. But, again, what you're talking about is uh, similar numbers as to what I talked about before. It could be $1,500 a day. It may be just coming in and taking a look at that and saying, yes, this is...
0: What do you do? You say, hey, uh, hey, Jane, we got, we got to go for a ride.
1: Uh <laughs> Well, I would say, Jane, uh, let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's sit down and talk this through. And My role would be to make it as easy as I could on Jane to have her eliminated from the position. By the same token, I have to be firm enough to say this is a final decision. And typically what I would do, and this is a hint for those that are willing to do it themselves, is you don't necessarily spend a lot of time in that discussion. You don't give 400 reasons and excuses. You just simply say a decision has been made to do this, and this is what we're going to do.
0: Owen Dahl, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Well, you're welcome. This has been fun. I hope it helps the marketplace improve in our overall performance and direction as to where we're going with the practice of medicine.
0: It can't hurt. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you for listening.